Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Communion is always a special time at Bethesda of fellowship and contemplation. To prepare us for this time, Pastor Roy shared four unique things about the Lord's Table. We encourage you to open up your Bibles and be encouraged today from His Word. Today we are focusing on the Lord's table. Uh, Oftentimes when we come together for communion, we focus on the cross and the sacrifice, and we are going to do that. But I really want to take a little bit different perspective today and look at the table of the Lord. Um, Oftentimes we probably glance over it, we don't really pay attention to what really transpired at the Lord's table. And so I want to read the account, and if you would like to follow along in Matthew chapter 26. Beginning in verse 17, Matthew 26, beginning in verse 17. Matthew records these words. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, yes, it is you. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it. And gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is an incredible account of Jesus eating the Passover, celebrating the Lord's table with his disciples. But I want us to stop for a moment and think about Jesus eating with the disciples because I will tell you, this was his last meal and they did something unusual in celebrating the Lord's table, the Lord introducing what he wanted to be carried on in the church this meal would have been etched in their minds for the rest of their lives. Not only that, but look who Jesus invites into this meal. He invites all the disciples. When I look at the life of the disciples, I'm thinking, you know what? I think I would have eliminated several of them. I would have said, you know what? I'm not having you come to this meal. Think about the people around the Lord's table 
Judas Iscariot, a betrayer. One who was willing to sell the Lord out for personal profit, to pad his pockets, to turn a deal, a betrayer. And Jesus calls him in Psalm 41 his friend who would betray him. Now, I don't understand how that works in the economy of God, why he chose one of the 12 who would be a betrayer other than two things. One is Jesus wanted the full cup of human suffering for us. Why would he pick someone in his inner circle who would betray him and slap him in the face, as it were, to sell him out for a few coins? And yet that's who Jesus had at the Lord's table. The very one who would betray him and sell him out. So here's what I want us to recognize. The Lord's table is a table of grace. It is a table of grace. Should Judas have been at the table? A betrayer? You answer the question. The reason he was there is because God is a God of grace. I think that's what he was trying to show. Judas Iscariot, for his own personal benefit, and yet he was called a close friend of Jesus in Psalm 41. Then there's Peter, the liar. The liar. He denies Christ three times. He says, I'll even die for you. He's at the Lord's table, a liar. One who says, I'm going to die for you, and then the next moment, no, I don't even know him. No, no, I don't know him. No, I don't know him. The one who gets out of the boat to walk to Jesus and falls down and nearly drowns and says, Lord, save me. He's at the Lord's table. (laughs) It's a table of grace. Why should Peter be at the table? I don't know, other than God's grace. But there he is. He's a loud mouth. Lord, we're up on the mountain of transfiguration, and let's build three tabernacles. I mean, he speaks out of turn. He's out of line. And yet, it's a table of grace because Peter is at the table, (laughs) the last supper that the Lord has. Then there's another man called Simon, the zealot. Now, remember, zealots were very passionate in opposing Rome. They were passionate about the law. He could have been involved in terrorist activity against Roman, to have Roman opposition. The zealots were very zealous against Rome. He was a fighter. And yet, Simon is at the table. He's at the Lord's table. It's a table of grace. Why is Simon at the table? Then there's Thomas, the doubter, the one who says, you know what, unless I can see the nail prints in your hands and I can thrust my hand into your side, I'm not going to believe your story one bit. Thomas is at the table. (laughs) It's a table of grace. Why is Thomas at the table? He doesn't even believe the message that Jesus has been proclaiming for the last three years. And he's at the table. It's a table of grace. Wow. Then there's Matthew. It only gets better. What is Matthew? He's a publican. 
and a publican, they were the tax collectors. They were hated and despised. Why? Because all they were interested in is ripping people off. They collected taxes for the Romans, and what did they do? They said, we're collecting more. Anything we can do so we can live in better houses and live a higher lifestyle. And that was Matthew. He was a tax collector who was despised. And yet listen to these words from Matthew 9.9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. These tax collectors were dishonest, despicable despised people. In fact, Jewish religious leaders considered them ceremonially unclean and excluded them from religious activities. Rabbinic sources consistently align Jewish tax collectors with robbers. He was a thief. He mistreated people. Now listen to this, though. It says, as Jesus passed on from there... It almost gives us the idea that Jesus was just walking by and all of a sudden he sees this guy. Like it was, like Spurgeon says, an accidental, unlikely encounter. But it wasn't. Jesus, I'm sure, had seen Matthew many times and Matthew had never given his life to Christ. And now Jesus sees him and it says he saw a man called Matthew. Now when he sees a man called Matthew, that's all he really says, that he was at the tax booth. Who is writing that account? Matthew himself is writing. And it's interesting because Spurgeon says, I can picture Matthew writing about a man called Matthew and Jesus seeing him setting down his pen on his table and wiping tears from his eyes. Why is he doing that? Why is he setting down the pen and wiping tears from his eyes? Because he realizes it's only by the grace of God that he is sitting at the table of the Lord. Only by his grace. What an incredible picture of the grace of God. Among these tax collectors, there was widespread greed and corruption. They were lowlifes. They were hated people. In fact, they were often included in the scriptures. It says, with tax, Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. They were even you know, put separately from the sinners because they were so bad. And then there are some other people. Now, this was the, the Last Supper with the disciples But I want us to think about the table the Lord encircling even other people like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a Jew, and it says he was a chief tax collector, which means he had other tax collectors under him. He was the supervisor. He was the boss. He was getting even more money ripping people off. And what happens when Jesus sees him and he comes to Christ? He says, I'll give up to fourfold of my goods. The grace of God had penetrated his heart. It's a table of grace. Jesus even tells the disciples at this meal, he says, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. 
For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples said the same thing. But this has taken place, that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. It says, then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Think about the table of grace. He knew that all the disciples were going to desert him and leave him. And yet, it's a table of grace. I want us to sing that little chorus, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. Grace is giving me what I don't deserve. I don't deserve God's forgiveness. I don't deserve his cleansing. I try to put myself, I wonder who I would most identify with around the Lord's table. Who, who am I most prone to be like? And yet, God has showered his grace on me. So let's sing that little chorus, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Let's sing it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. The Lord's table is a table of grace. Because if it wasn't, none of us would be able to be seated at the table. The second feature I want to highlight today is it is also a table of fellowship. You and I fellowship together and enjoy a closeness, a common bond of faith because of that table of grace, because of what God has done for us in the person of Christ. We have fellowship. There is sharing. There is interaction. There's a serving together and a sharing together because of that. These disciples had known each other for the last three years. Undoubtedly, they had had many meals together, but not one like this one. And yet they had, I'm sure, had squabbles together. Because remember James and John arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And yet they saw Jesus heal people, rebuke people, speak with power and grace. They never saw Jesus one time act in a selfish manner. Not one time. You see, we can have fellowship because the ground is level at the cross. In other words, I am not higher than you. You are not higher than me. No, you, no you've got 20 years of service serving the Lord. You've got one week. Not only is the ground level at the cross, the seats are level at the table. There's no high chairs, and I don't mean baby chairs. There's no high chairs. There's no you sit up there and you sit down there. There's no high chairs at the table. 
because the ground is level at the cross. You can be a former drug addict. You can be a former alcoholic. You can be a former murderer, rapist. Name any sin you want, and you have a seat at the table because of God's grace. And you can fellowship. A builder and a biologist can fellowship together. A dentist and a ditch digger can fellowship together at the table because of grace. A black person and a Caucasian can fellowship together at the table. A Korean person, a Hispanic person, a Vietnamese person, a Chinese person can sit together at the table because of the grace of God. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people, there's room at the table. And I'll tell you what other seat is not at the table. There's no electric chair at the table. There's no place where we put you in there and say, we're going to execute you because of what the sin you did in the past. There's no electric chair at the table. <laughs> There's no judgment seat at the table either because God is the judge. There's no judgment seat. We've received his mercy and his grace. I think about some other people who could be at the table, like the Philippian jailer who was given the charge to watch over Paul and Silas in prison. And yet, when the prison was broke open and he came and he came trembling in, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to receive this grace you've been singing about in prison? Oh, you think he's got a seat at the table? I think so. I think about Mary Magdalene. She has a seat at the table, the Lord's table. And yet, what kind of woman was Mary Magdalene? Let me remind us in Mark 16, 9. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. And she's got a seat at the table because she received God's grace. And he had cast the demons out of her. I think of the woman at the well who had illicit relationships with numerous men and yet the grace of God she says come see a man who told me everything I ever did is not this the Christ is not this the grace of God in my life she has a seat at the table of the Lord think about Lydia the seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who gave her who it says the Bible says the Lord opened her heart to the message Wow. I think about John Newton. John Newton in the 1700s was a captain on a slave ship involved in slave trade. Profanity, gambling, drinking, carousing, all the above. And what does he write? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. John Newton has a place at the table. John Newton became an Anglican clergyman. God has so revolutionized his life. I think about people in our day 
They can have their body covered with tattoos. They can have piercings, too many to count. They can have all kind of scars and brokenness in their life. And God says, you know what? Come to the table. I've got a seat for you. If you receive my grace, you sit at the table just like the preacher who preached faithfully for 50 years. The chair is level. It's level. There's no difference. Why? Because the preacher and the tattooist both need grace to get in. There's no other way. No other way. And so the Lord's table is a table of grace and it's a table of fellowship. Thirdly, the Lord's table is a table of thanksgiving. It says in verse 26 of Matthew 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks. And he took the cup and he gave thanks. It's a table of thanksgiving. Thankful for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. The fourth thing is it is a table of sacrifice. That's what the bread and the cup represent that we are going to partake of in a few moments. It represents the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. And the Bible gives a warning that we should not eat or drink unworthily of the body and the blood of Christ. You and I have to be in the family of God. We serve what we call open communion here, which means anybody can participate. But it's only reserved, the Lord's table is reserved for those who have received his grace and forgiveness for their sin. And we do it in remembrance of the Lord, a table of sacrifice. And so, as we partake today, I want us to recognize the table that we are coming to. It's a table of grace. It's a table of fellowship. We participate together because of what God has done for us. It's a table of thanksgiving. And it's a table of sacrifice. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, .org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.